that's what, uh, kind of around the age I would say of 18 is when I stepped back and I was just, I was frustrated because I didn't think I was writing the material that was me. That was like Mm -hmm. really, really me, Abigail Rose, you know? So I took a step back and, uh, actually I took a step back from co-writing as well and just wrote by myself for a while. I wanted, cause obviously I got into co-writing at a really young age and I loved it. I don't regret that at all, but I think I needed to remember what my voice was yeah, and, and just hear myself for a little. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And today's episode, I have an interview with Abigail Rose. She is just a delightful human being. I think you'll really enjoy listening to her. She's very open in talking about how she came up through the music business and how she made a huge pivot in her career because she didn't feel like she was being authentic to herself and her own style. And um, she is interesting because she grew up in Nashville and she started very young working with some Nashville songwriters. And so she really got, uh, you know, trial by fire in the industry, but um, it helped her not only get a lot of connections but also to flesh out over time what she really wanted to be as an artist. And I think now she feels she's finally there with her new release. So I'll tell you a little bit about Abigail Rose in a minute. But first, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode. This episode of The Female Entrepreneur Musician is brought to you in part by Muddy Paw PR. Through their highly personalized public relations campaigns for DIY artists, they've secured placements on Alternative Press, Substream, New Noise, and more. With their artists going on to play festivals like Warped Tour, So What, and gain licensing deals and regular rotation in stores like Starbucks and Hollister. Find out more at MuddyPawPR.com. Now here's some information about Abigail Rose. Nashville native Abigail Rose showcases her soulful, evocative delivery and pop-laden sensibilities in her new single, The Risk. The lyricist writes of love, coming of age, and life to present, authentic and unfiltered music. The singer-songwriter is hands-on in her artistic approach, writing her own music and releasing her first single independently. So here's my interview with Abigail Rose. How did you get into music then? I mean, obviously it's, you've been doing it forever, but how did you start actually pursuing it? Yeah. So, um, obviously growing up, music was always a big part of our household. No one in my family or even my extended family was in the music industry, but my parents constantly had music playing in our house and it was never, you know, just one style. They would listen to everything from Elvis Presley to the Dixie Chicks to Nora Jones to Sheryl Crow, to Jack Johnson, and Bruce Springsteen. Like, you know, they just had a really wide variety of tastes in music. 
So I was always, you know, a big, starting at a young age, I was going to concerts with my parents and just constantly around it. And, you know, every single waiter at restaurants was a pursuing songwriter in Nashville. And, you know, my parents' friends were in the music industry and it was just a very normal career path in my little mind when I was like 10 years old. I was like, oh yeah, I want to go into the entertainment business and I love making people laugh. And that starting at an even younger age, I, I always knew I wanted to do something with entertaining. I just didn't really know what medium yet. And then as I got older, I realized, okay, it's music. Uh, and I just, you know, I asked my parents for guitar and I really took to it. Uh, and I immediately started writing my own songs after I knew a couple chords. And I think the first thing that actually got me started as pursuing it as a profession and actually, you know, making traction and making moves in the industry would be songwriting. I, I was really fortunate to get the opportunity to write with songwriters in Nashville since there's so many of them. And they took a chance on this little girl that was still learning about writing. But I think that that also provided an edge and a new, you know, I think, you know, songwriters that are older and I can for sure say this now that I'm older and I've been writing for, uh, you know, many years, you're always trying to, create new concepts and have new ideas and getting uh, an untainted little 12 year old mind in the room is a great way to do that. Cause I think when you're young, you don't even know, you don't have any, I didn't have any experience yet. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just writing cause I loved it. And I think that was an edge and it created, you know, um, an appeal to songwriters. So it, that reminds me of that movie big where like the toy company gets Tom Hanks, who's an, actually a kid, but they don't know it. Yes. To come in, You know, and it's like, yes, this perspective of an actual kid that loves toys versus the exactly. people that have been trying to like get in the minds of the kids. You exactly. know, that's such a great way of putting it. And I love that movie. So exactly. <laughs> And, uh, I, so I started writing with different songwriters in town and it's such a community. So one songwriter would write with me and it would, you know, go well. And then they would recommend me. They'd be like, Oh, you really write well with this songwriter. So then I'd write with that songwriter and it just kept growing and kept growing. And I, I just started co-writing as much as I could. And it's kind of unique because a lot of people don't get to start co-writing really young. Because right. either they're not in a city that has a lot of songwriters or for whatever reason, or it's just not even on their mind. But I really, really love co-writes and being in a room with someone and creating something together. I think that's so cool. So that that's really what got me started in the business side of music, which that ultimately led to songwriting festivals where, you know, there's these different festivals that go on. A lot of the ones I played at were in Florida and there would just be like a weekend long festival with a bunch of different songwriters and you'd go down there and sometimes it's different organizations that put it on. So I remember one of the first ones I went to was through BMI and I went down, I want to say I was like 14 or 13 or something. And I think the first time I went, I wasn't even planning on playing. Like I wasn't asked to sing or anything, but then I knew a lot of the songwriters playing in the rounds and stuff. And they would ask me up to kind of play a couple songs and join the round. And that's what really got me started into this whole network and this whole scene of Nashville at, at the start of my career in music. Wow. I mean, I just, I think that's an amazing story because you don't hear a lot of people, like you said, that are writing that young and getting into the room 
with these well-established songwriters. How did you kind of get your foot in the door? Obviously being from here did help because Nashville, I mean, this was around 10 years ago and Nashville obviously is a lot bigger now. And over the last 10 years, it's grown so much, but it's not a huge place and everyone kind of knows each other or you have mutual friends. And so it's just, it's this little bubble of a community that you get to I don't know. Once you're in, you're in, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it just really took one person. The very first songwriter I ever wrote with in Nashville, his name is Steve Leslie. And he's an amazing songwriter who has, you know, has had an amazing career being a songwriter and an artist in his own right. And he was really the first one that took a chance on me. And that's who kind of got the ball rolling and, you know, started introducing me to other songwriters. And then I think BMI helped a lot as well because Mm -hmm. that's such a community in itself. Once you're working with them, they provide, you know, access to other songwriters and a network and, you know, events that you can go to and meet new people. And I was so eager. I mean, you know, no one else was pushing this except me when I was that young. I was hungry to meet new songwriters. And because, you know, like I said, no one in my family or around me really did this. So I think I was so hungry to be around other people that understood my mind and understood mm-hmm. where I was coming from and the way I thought and, and really got me. And so I was just, I was a very, very eager, a 12 year old, <laughs> at least. That's awesome. So with all these co-writes that you've done, are I mean, are there any songs that we would know or artists that we would know that have performed some of the songs that you've co-written? Yeah. So actually there's a a couple of different artists in Nashville that are not only songwriters I write with over the last, you know, I don't even know, seven or eight years, but also artists themselves. And one that, um, that just released an EP, I believe it was a couple months ago. His name is um, Stevie Monts. And we wrote a song that was actually ended up being the title track of the EP and it's called Tennessee. Mm. And so that's one. And then, so a lot of the ones that, you know, I, if I ever got any cuts on albums, it was a lot of, you know, songwriters that were also artists that I were writing with. Right. Because back then I was also still, and, and now it hasn't changed. I've always been writing for myself because not only was I at this time, was I pursuing songwriting, but I was also pursuing shows and performing out and starting to perform in Nashville and kind of build um, a relationship with different people at William Morris to, you know, book me some different shows. And that was happening as well. So I was trying to write for myself primarily. And so, but yeah, there's been a couple, a couple songs here and there on some friends of mine's albums that I'm a co-writer on. And it's cool. Like even to this day, I'll randomly get a text from someone and be like, Hey, remember that song we wrote, you know, a couple of years ago, well, this guy is putting it on his like first country album. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Because you know, when I, obviously I'm, I'm from Nashville and I, when I got into this, I was doing more country material. However, now my style has evolved since I'm older and just figured out where I wanted to go with it. And it's more pop R&B. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Like when you were first writing, you were writing country and then you evolved to what you do now, or did you just, did you kind of gravitate toward more of the like pop soul writers that were in Nashville? I'm assuming like most people down there are doing country and Christian gospel and stuff like that. Yeah. I think a couple years ago, I was definitely doing, I I don't know if I would call it 
country. I think I would call it, you know, singer songwriter, acoustic type music. And that's, uh, that's what I started doing. And it really was because I was around that. That was the writers I was writing with. That was the style that was predominantly in Nashville at the time. But as I got older, you know, there's been this huge shift in Nashville and it's not just country or gospel music anymore or folk. It really has expanded to rock and roll and a pop scene. Mm. And as that started happening, I just, I realized, you know, why am I limiting myself to one style or the only thing I've ever known? Because that's what I grew up doing. Like why not explore other sounds and other styles that I really enjoy listening to? Because at the end of the day, if you don't like listening to your own music, what's the point? So that's what, uh, kind of around the age I would say of 18 is what I stepped back and I was just, I was frustrated because I didn't think I was writing the material that was me, that was like mm. really, really me, Abigail Rose, you know? So I took a step back and uh, actually I took a step back from co-writing as well and just wrote by myself for a while. I wanted, because obviously I got into co-writing at a really young age and I loved it. I don't regret that at all, but I think I needed to remember what my voice was yeah, and, and just hear myself for a little. And that's what led me to pop R&B. And, this, I, and I mean, that's what I call it, but I don't even know. I, I really hate labeling sounds because it's, you don't really need to in this day and age. No one really talks about genres that much anymore, especially, you know, whenever I go, I, I write in LA quite a bit as well. And whenever I'm there, it's really not about genres. It's just about, you know, if you're good or not, which I really love. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what led me to doing more of that style is just my likes and dislikes and what I naturally gravitate towards. It makes total sense that you would need to kind of take this period where you needed to find your voice again, having been a co-writer since so Mm -hmm. young, like you may not have even had your voice from the beginning because you were always co-writing. So that makes total sense to me why you kind of made that shift. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician? Are you making all of your income from music or do you have maybe some other side things that you do or even like side music things that you do other than being an artist? Yeah. So I would say I always consider myself a full-time musician. Like if someone asked me, what do you do? Or if you had to fill out, you know, those forms, I always say artist, (laughs) musician, songwriter, like that is me to the core. But also I am a 21 year old and you know, you have to make money (laughs) to live and survive. So I do other random jobs. Like I help my friend out at her jewelry store in Nashville and I, um, a new restaurant just opened in Nashville. Uh, a friend of mine opened it and I've been doing some, picking up some shifts as a hostess. So, cause I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, I'm totally self-sufficient with just music. Cause that's not the reality right now. And, and I'm okay with that because, you know, if, if doing these other little things lets me continue, you know, on this path of pursuing music and eventually I'll end up just doing music full time. I'm okay with that. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to, uh, I don't know. No, I think that's, I think that's great. And it seems like some things have easily fallen in your lap or you have to like pound the pavement to find a job. You're just like, Oh, I can do this and this and this on the side. Obviously focus is music. 
Yeah, it's nice. I mean, that's the other great thing about Nashville growing is there's constantly like new restaurants and new stores and so many things that they need people to run them. And I, you know, if it works out, then I'm down and I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I'm such, the other thing is like, I'm such a extrovert and a social person that I do love being around people and you know, whatever that looks like is great with me. So it's fun. I enjoy doing these other things that allow me to, you know, still be out there. And, and it's not like they're completely disconnected from my music. Like, so I just, um, my first single that came out the risk, I released a music video for that. And all the jewelry in the music video I wore for my friend's jewelry store. She let Mm -hmm. me, you know, wear all the pieces, which I'm so excited because I'm really big on supporting local business, whether it's, you know, in Nashville or even in LA. And uh, I think that's just really important. And, and I really love her jewelry too. So it was a win-win. No, that's really awesome. And then there's like cross promotion. She can play the video in her store and you, you know, and all that. Exactly. Oh yes. And her ads and you know, that's just cross promotion like that. Me too. Me too. Cause then it's the best of both worlds. We get, and that's, that's really what I'm all about. You know, if I can work with people that, are on the rise and trying to make it as well, then we can help each other. And I love that. I mean, you know, the, my makeup artist that did my makeup for the video, she's one of my best friends and she's, she's literally only, well, she just turned 20, like she's 19 and just killing it. And it's so amazing. And I I love it. And like, I I love um, the photographer I've known for a really long time. She's one of my best friends as well. And it's all these people that I really believe in and want to see succeed in their passions and they feel the same way about me. So it's great. I, I really, really love doing cross promotion and that type of stuff. I love that. I love that attitude too. Cause you know, if you're thinking that way, then you're always thinking of ways that you can help other people and then they're doing the same for you. So I just, I think that's something as musicians, like we need to think more of an abundance mindset versus like, you know, Oh, I'm just going to promote only promote myself and yeah. put all that effort into myself there's so many benefits to that. So mm-hmm. since we're talking about, you know, income and all that, why don't I just get to this question that I always ask everyone, like, yeah. what do your streams of income look like from music? You know, like kind of like on a pie chart or something like that in your mind, like oh. what are the percentages that are coming from like live performances, um, sales of music and streaming and, you know, songwriting royalties and stuff like that, you know, licensing, yeah. that kind of thing. Totally. So actually the other day I looked it up um, because I was curious about this. So my song, I'm just going to use this as an example on Spotify has reached around 5,000 streams and on average, 150 streams equal one download. So that's like $1 and $1. Right. Basically. So then I'm looking at 5,000 streams around $190. So obviously, you know, if that doesn't, show you, I guess, that the reasons I have other income streams as well. I mean, you know, because right now, especially as an artist that is starting out and I'm, I'm not bashing on Spotify. I think it's a great platform for artists who are starting out and who don't have a huge following yet. It's a great way for people to be discovered. Oh, totally. And I think somebody that is just starting out, they're not going to get those 190 downloads. Yeah. You know, so I think that making that on Spotify is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. But it's all, it, it just, 
it's very eye-opening because this is, you know, the first single I've released since um, I did release a little bit of music around four years ago, but it's not even out there in the world still, unless, you know, someone already bought it. Um, But this is really the guinea pig. It's my way of seeing, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, and I mean, on the side, cause like you have to put a lot of money into it to not even get a lot back right now. Right. And, and that's kind of, I've, I've accepted that. I know that that's the game and you have to play it and, and you have to do what you got to do. So that's when it comes to downloads and streaming, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, so it's not very significant, but I'm hoping that over time, that does grow because it's still, I'm not, I mean, that's still $190 and that's great. I guess for the other thing, like, you know, live shows, merch at live shows and all that. Um, I've really, I've yet to dive into that. Of course, you know, when I was on tour a couple of years ago and doing different one-off dates, a lot of those, because they were just one-off dates here and there, you would either get you know, a fee that you were paid for doing this, or you would get, you know, your expenses covered. It wasn't usually both, but you know, back then I was, I was really fortunate that I had, you know, I was, I was really young. This is when I was like 16, 17, 18. So luckily I had, you know, my parents along with me and they were helping, you know, kind of along to be able to still go out and play shows because it's a lot of spending money right now. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've started looking into some doing some shows in Nashville and the way it kind of works is you actually, for newer artists, you do have to pay to play at their venue, but usually the, if there's, if they're charging, you know, a ticket fee at the door, you'll be able to collect that money. So it's very random right now. You know, there's, there's really a lot of, uh, like I said, spending and not earning, which can be really frustrating at times, but I just have to keep reminding myself that it's all for a bigger purpose and a bigger goal to, you know, get my name out there and get my music out there and do whatever I can to get people to, to hear me. Um, Yeah. And I think that's true about any business. And I think this is a hard thing that for musicians to swallow that like they are, this is my like big soapbox, right? They are a business, they are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And in order to get any business off the ground, you have to invest in it. So like if you went out and opened a restaurant, you wouldn't like say, well, I'm not going to invest any money in this restaurant until someone comes and pays me money for food. Like you can't do that, right? You have to have a staff and you have to have a building and all that stuff. And it's the same with music. And so I would love to have you talk a little bit about how you got to that mindset. Cause I know that you're investing in things like PR and really yeah. good branding and all that. Like, how did you get to the point where you felt like I should be investing in this and it's okay. And I know it's going to pay dividends later. Yeah. Um, well, I think the first thing, just like in any business, you need to know your market and your demographic and know all the, the things that you're trying to reach. So obviously for me, I wouldn't go pay to put an ad in a newspaper because <laughs> that just doesn't make sense. My demographic is not reading newspapers. So the very, that's like the very start. You got to know your demographic and know who you're trying to reach. So when it comes to PR and marketing or any of this stuff to get your sound and get your music out there and get your name out there, I was looking for someone to help me know who I'm trying to reach. So it's my main mediums that I try to reach people through is through social media. And I think, I, I think social media is such a 
powerful resource for artists. Oh yeah. And because a lot of it is free. I mean, obviously you can pay for advertisements, but a lot of it is just building a profile that people want to go to and getting people like setting yourself apart to get them to follow you. And that's been one of my first strategies before I started spending money on anything to push my music. My first strategy was to really set a presence and a brand and an image on all my social media platforms. May, I mean, my personal favorite, I'll just say is Instagram. I love pictures. I love taking pictures. I love doing all that. And so that was my first initial plan. This is a couple of years ago when I was like, okay, even if I'm not releasing music right now, I can still be building a brand and be building an image for people to grasp onto. And, and that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't cost money to do that. And so it's just all, so, so then, you know, I first did those couple things where I was doing everything I could that was free. Cause obviously we love free. That's great. <laughs> and then once I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have done everything I possibly can on my end. I need a bigger push. I need to get my sound out there. That's when I started investing in, you know, that's when I pulled in a PR team to help me get to outlets on online websites or, uh, you know, different Facebooks where, you know, you're featured on someone else's Facebook, all these different things that you just need, especially when I don't really have anyone else. Like it's just me right now. You know, I don't have a manager. I don't have anyone. So it's, it's just me, um, doing all this, I needed, that's when I needed help. And that's when I was like, okay, this is a smart investment because I can't do this alone any longer. And that's kind of what the way I think about it is if I know I've done everything I can on the free side or whatever, then, then this is the next logical step. And, and like we already said, this is a business. you got to invest in it to hopefully have people start buying your music when you first have to get it in front of them. So I just try and I try and look at it like that. And I try and, I don't know, remain positive that this is going to pay off. And I personally, well, actually, you know what I should have said at the very beginning is the product. As long as the product, you believe in it, then it makes everything else more bearable. Like this music that I'm making is 1000% authentically me. Like Mm. this, I'm the only one that is checking off like, okay, this is me. This is my sound. This is what I want to release first. I'm the one that's making those decisions and I believe in it. Right. That is a big key, right? It's going to make you so much more likely to invest in it. Exactly. And all that, if you really believe in it. Exactly. So that's what I should have started with. It really, it comes down to if you believe in it and you're, if you feel that passionate about it, then you'll do whatever it takes to get it out there. And because I kept telling myself, I just need people to hear it and then they'll get it. But I just need people to hear it and have it in front of them and then let the music do the rest. Mm. Once it's in front of them, you don't have to do anything else. They, they either will like it and become a fan or they won't. And that's okay too, because you're never going to make everyone love you. And no, I definitely not as well. So yeah, that's what I would say. Help me get to this mindset is that I 1000% believe in what I'm doing and the music I'm making. And going back to a comment I made earlier about 
wanting to listen to your own music. I do listen to my own music and I have no shame in admitting that, that, you know, when I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to the radio or something, and I'm not really listening to anything that I really want to listen to, I'll pull up my demos that I have from the studio or, or the song that I just released the risk and listen to those because I am passionate about the music I'm making and I enjoy listening to it myself. <laughs> I love that point. And I don't hear a lot of artists talk about that. And I, I remember myself as an artist feeling like, why can't I write like the people that I like to listen to? And I finally mm. got closer and closer to that. And I think that's a key. Like, would you want to pull out your own music and listen to it? A hundred percent. Honestly, that is what I went through like a couple years ago when I was frustrated and I didn't really love what I was writing. And that, that's really what it came down to. I was like, why would I rather listen to all these other artists than myself? Mm. You know, I should want to listen to myself just as much as the people I love to listen to. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's a quotable right there. And I'm sure we'll pull (laughs) that one out and put it on social media because I love that. That is, that is so true. So I'm curious, like, since you took a while to kind of build, build up your fan base and all that, and then you recently released your song, did you find that you had, like it paid dividends, like you had actually built your fan base to the point where when you released the song, people got excited about it and they, and you were able to kind of tease that and get them excited about the release. Cause I'm a big proponent of building, trying to build Mm -hmm. your fan base before you invest like a ton of money in an album. And then you know, so many people, like, they invest in this album and then they have all these CDs in their garage and then, then they try to sell it to people and they haven't spent any time yeah. building a fan base. So yeah. did you feel like that was, that was time well spent building your fan base once the song came out? I think so. I think, you know, this is just the first song and right. only having one song out there is obviously difficult because people want to, you know, hear one thing and then hear the next and and go on. So right now I'm at this like weird point, but I definitely think what I've done over the last couple of years of trying to build a following in, you know, Nashville and get people just network and know people and, and get them. So yes, to answer your question, the answer is yes. I do feel like, um, I did what I could do before I released the first single because you get to the point where you're self-promoting and you're going around, you're networking, you're meeting people. And, and I don't just limit myself to music. I, I do everything, you know, like I try and meet new photographers in Nashville. And, you know, we mentioned like makeup artists, like it's any type of art. Like I love meeting artists and people that are, you know, creative and doing cool things, especially because for a while Nashville didn't really have, I don't know, have a scene that was different. Mm. Like other cities, there's all these you know, different pockets of scenes and whatever, and, and different styles of art, not just where, not just when it comes to music, but everything. And all of a sudden Nashville started having that. It started growing in all those different aspects. And I wanted to, I wanted to meet all these people that were either moving here from other cities or from here. And I think I'm, I did all I could possibly do without a product because at the moment I was just selling myself, which I guess is a product and that can sound kind of weird, but it is. Um, but it's nice now to have a song out, even if it's just one so that now I'm not only promoting myself, but I'm promoting a product that I can share with people. And it's a little easier to build a fan base and get it going. And it's just one song. Cause I agree, you know, going in the studio, recording a full length <laughs> album right this second and 
getting a bunch of CDs made would not be a smart move. Mm. And, and it's unfortunate when people ask me, they're like, oh my God, I love your song. Are you going to release an album soon? I'm like, well, eventually, yes, but not right off the bat because I'm still trying to build a fan base around myself and around the one song I've released so right. that I don't overextend myself, like you said, and then not have anyone buying the product. No, I think that's really, really smart. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're saying that. And I do think that releasing singles can help you build your fan yeah. base just like you're doing. So that's, that's awesome. So you mentioned that you, you love Instagram. Yes. What kinds of ways are you engaging with fans and finding new fans on Instagram specifically? Because that's a platform that I feel like is great for musicians, but a lot of the people that I work with aren't really into Instagram yet. So I yeah. think we'd really appreciate your, your insight. Of course. Um, I think that when it comes to engaging with fans, I feel weird even calling the people that reach out and tell me that they like my music fans. I really, I, I'm truly, I'm not even just saying this. I truly consider them friends. Yeah. Like music it, friends. I agree. Yeah, because at this point, you know, it's not so extreme that I, I will respond to every message I get. If someone reaches out and tells me they love my music, you best believe that I will be screenshotting that, sending it to you know my parents and my family. And I'm like, this person that I don't even know listened to my song. I think that's so cool. And I, I'll respond and I want to you know build a long-lasting relationship with them. And I hope that they stay along for the ride and, and stay along with this journey. And I've been lucky that... Um, so when I was touring in the past, a little bit of a different style, but I've been really fortunate that some of the people along the way that I've met in the past stayed along and continued to keep up with my career and continue to wait and be patient for me to release more music. And then, you know, they'll, they'll reach out and be like, you know, I saw you back when you were only 14 playing at that random bar in that random city. And wow. I really love the style you, you went towards. And I love that. I think that's so cool. And I want that always to be the case with um, the people that love my music or want to reach out and talk with me. It's like, okay, I'm trying to build a long lasting relationship with these people and, and let them know that that means the world to me. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the, the first thing, but I would say when it comes to Instagram, you know, I'm always, Instagram is not only a tool for promoting myself musically, but also I think the brand that's really, really important. So wearing clothes or makeup or whatever it is, or going places like these different physical things that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I, I try and, uh, and that comes back to cross promoting. Like if I find a brand of something that I really truly love, then I'm going to, you know, post about it and I'm going to wear it, whatever it might be. Like I'll take a random example. Like I love this makeup brand called Glossier and I think they do an amazing job at promoting and marketing themselves. They just, they've got it nailed and I really, really love their products. So whenever, you know, I wear their products, I try and tag them because I, I believe that their market would enjoy my music. It's a lot of girls between the ages of, you know, 20 and 40. And I think that that's kind of the demographic I'm trying to appeal to. So it's just thinking of little things like that. Obviously, I don't expect to have that be huge, but it's just a bunch of small things add up. 
And I'll randomly, you know, I'll go look like whenever someone follows me, I'll go check out their page. And half the time, or not, not half the time, but sometimes I'll see like it says a little caption about Glossier that maybe they're a rep or something, or in their pictures, they have also posted about that product. And this is just one example, obviously, but I'm like, okay, this is actually working. You know, people, that's how people find each other through social media is what you're tagging and what you're promoting and what you're, uh, what you're, you know, what locations you're at. And so, um, I just try and be really, really thoughtful about all those things and only, only do it if it ties into who I am as a person. And if it ties into what I actually love, because I am not the type of person that's only going to promote something because it's going to get me more followers or something. I, I truly love the product products I talk about. And I think people will respect that and stick around if they sense that because I'll unfollow someone if they start posting things that I don't truly believe they actually like. Mm. Sense. So, you know, it's, it's a balance of being strategic, but also being human and being yourself and knowing like, Oh, I actually, I really like this product. Maybe I should like reach out to them or tag them in this because I actually like it. And I think that my fans or my friends should know about it as well. So when it comes to Instagram, I would just say, if you're a musician to not just look at it, like you're trying to just promote music stuff, you know, look at all aspects of your life. And it doesn't have to be clothes and makeup. It could be, you know, workout facilities or different organizations. That yeah, totally. It can be it. causes. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, because people want to know, want to know more about you and, and they want to know, especially artists in this day and age, it's not just about the music. They want to know everything about their favorite idol they listen to. They want to know where they go and what they eat and who they're hanging out with. They want to know everything. That's just the day and age we live in. So trying to just be thoughtful about all that and being aware that that's the day and age you live in will really help. And I think grow your following organically as well. If you're just doing what you already would do, but sharing it with people, then they're going to gravitate towards that because they know it's authentic and know that, you know, it's you. You're not, you know, just putting on this act. It's really you. Yeah. I think that's a really good advice being authentically strategic and just coming up with like you have coming up with those things that you, you love that Mm -hmm. are already a part of your life. You know, maybe you love coffee and you love to like try different coffee places, you know, and you can take pictures of yourself at those places. A hundred percent. Yeah. Just come up with a few things that Mm -hmm. are going to be like, part of your, your brand and part of the things that you talk about on Instagram, because you don't want to be talking about your music 24 seven, people will get bored. Exactly. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, um, as we're, we're winding down here, like, are there any, you're very like self-taught and self-educated in music, obviously between the people that you've worked with and, you know, just really trying to learn about the business. Are there any like books or online resources that have been really helpful for you either in like the business of music or songwriting or even just kind of like a self-development area that have helped you become yeah. the artist you are now? Yeah, um, for sure. I, I watch, when it comes to, I'll just break it down into different sections. So when it comes to songwriting, I mentioned 
earlier to you before, before we started recording that I really love listening to podcasts about different successful songwriters. And one of them is called, uh, and the writer is. And so listening to, you know, and it doesn't even have to be podcasts. It could be interviews. I love, love, love watching interviews of songwriters and artists in the industry. I think you can learn so much from that. Just hearing songwriters talk about their music or talk about how they wrote a song. It's just a, and it's so accessible. It's everywhere. You just go on YouTube and mm. Google, you know, different artists talking about their hit and it's, it's endless. So I think that's a huge way. And when it comes to live shows, like watching, um, watching performances, not only by going to shows and going to venues, which I always have that mindset when I go see shows, obviously I, I love seeing concerts and going and seeing live music in Nashville and supporting, you know, live music. But I also, when I go to those things, I have my, my artist hat on and I'm observing the room and I'm seeing what works on stage and what the audience responds to and what doesn't work and you know how they transition between songs and how they introduce their band like all these little things if you're just observant and you watch that it it really helps you and that's kind of what I started doing and I think that's partly because I'm a songwriter and I observe a lot and I focus in on what people are doing and what people are talking about um and just being really mindful about that. Um, also a couple books I'm going to pull up. Actually, I have a list of books that I've either started reading or want to read that I've been recommended because of the, of the career I'm in. Mm. Uh, one that I'm currently reading right now is called Presence by Amy Cuddy. And she, I don't know if you know of her, but she's phenomenal. She did a TED Talk that became really famous. And it's all about being present and and it was more directed towards interviews and in a business standpoint, but I think it 100% can relate to artists and performing on stage or being in a studio or being in an interview or being, you know, or doing a podcast interview with you, <laughs> any of these things, it can really help because that's, I think that's just a big part of this. Like, you know, we've been talking about how you're selling yourself as an artist and as a person. So if you're not present, then obviously, you know, you've got some problems to deal with because <laughs> people will, will not buy it or not, you know, be, be there for it. Um, another book that I've read is called Writing Better Lyrics. And it's- Oh, is that by, Pat Patterson? Yes. I yes. love that one. Yes. So it's just, you know, a couple of different books that, um, and obviously you're never- you can't just read a book and magically be a songwriter. I'm not saying that, but you can read different things that will either provide tools that you can use for your songwriting um, or just some guidance. You know, this, this career path, there's no blueprint. And I constantly talk about this with friends or other musicians in town. There's really no blueprint, to any of this or no one way of doing it. You know, there is a million different ways that people have been successful in music and a million different ways that they've were able to make a living doing music. And so there's no one way. It's just figuring out what's your way of doing it. Um, so yeah, not only, yeah, so books, um, I'm trying to think of other, other great sources of, of, you know, help when it comes to all this. 
I think surrounding yourself by other artists, if you're in a position to talk with other people that are going through similar stuff, then that can be really, really helpful and just bouncing ideas off them. Because, you know, like I mentioned, it's not, uh, there, there's no, you know, book on how to be a successful songwriter, how to be a successful artist that is, that works, you know, it's, it's all a mixture of different things. So talking with other artists and, you know, I actually, and that's the other thing when social media comes into play, I'll, I'll reach out, I'll message other artists that I, whether I find them on Spotify or if I see them through Instagram or whatever, and I really love their song and I'm curious on how they got to where they are, I'll message Mm. them. You know, I have no shame in sometimes being bold. That's awesome. I love that. And sometimes they'll respond and sometimes they won't. And it's fine. Like, why does it matter? I don't care. So yeah, reaching out to other artists, never be afraid to do that. And I've gotten some messages where people asking for advice and, you know, I'm the first to say, I don't know how much advice I can give, but I will be willing to share anything I've learned. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing right now is trying to try to learn from people around me and learn from what I see is going very right and what I see is going very wrong. So yeah, that's kind of where I get a lot of my knowledge right these days. That's awesome. I love all of that, those books for sure. And um, yeah, just, just working with other musicians, I think being in a community of musicians is so important. And that's why for any of you guys that don't know about it, you know, that's why I have the female indie musician community, which is a free Facebook group for female artists. So anybody that's listening, if you're not a part of it, definitely go join that. So as we're wrapping up, just let people that are listening know how they can find you online. Yeah. Well, obviously we've talked a lot about social media. So Instagram and Twitter, I'm at the Abigail Rose and Facebook and YouTube, just search Abigail Rose music and you'll find me. Um, and please like message me, reach out, tell me what you think about my music. And, and if, if you have a question or if I have a question for you, like, let's, let's be friends, let's talk. Um, and especially like on the note about a community of women and music that you mentioned. I really love that because I think for a long time, people, there's been this weird notion around women artists towards other women artists that they can't support each other. And Mm. I think that's so, so, so wrong. And it shouldn't be that way. And it's definitely changed a lot. And I see more and more female artists supporting other female artists. And I think that's so important because you really, no one else is your competition except yourself. Every, every artist is different in their own right. And just because this other female artist is maybe doing something similar as you, you're not the same. So stop looking at them like they're the competition and look at each other like, you know, teammates or, uh, I don't know, like just, I, I really love that, you know, you, you talk about that and that that's, um, what this podcast is about as well, you know, women, um, in the music industry. So yeah, I'm so glad you said that, that like no one else is your competition besides yourself. And I'm a big proponent of that. And I don't know how many artists actually believe me when I say that. So I hope you guys will take that to heart that now Abigail's on my side, that that Mm -hmm. is true because it really is true. And we get in our heads and we get into that comparison mode and jealousy mode and, you know, we all experience it. So just try to stay in your own lane and compare yourself to yourself. If you're doing better tomorrow than you are today, then you're making progress. I love that. I love that. I completely agree. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate all your unique perspective today. And I know that our listeners have learned a lot from you, Abigail. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.